Well, um, the psalm we're looking at today, Psalm 91, um, is put into three sections. And the first section is verses 1 to verse 8. And in that section, we hear a faithful person uh, speaking of or writing of um, their understanding of God's ability to protect them. And then we have uh, verses 9 to 13, which is where the audience, if you like, the congregation respond and they encourage uh, the faithful believer uh, in the same thing, in, in God's ability to protect. And finally, in verses uh, 14 to 16, uh, we have God himself responding to the faithful believer and uh, explaining how he will protect them uh, because they are close to him. So that's the structure of the psalm. And what I'd like to do is go through it really verse by verse. So let's look again at verse one. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, the Hebrew word used here for shelter is a hiding place. And um, it conveys this idea that when we are in the shelter of God, we are hidden. We're hidden from those things that might seek to pull us down. Uh, we can't be uh, found in a sense because we're hidden in God's shelter. The word abide, where it says uh, will abide in the shadow of the Almighty, um, that word abide uh, means that it's the same as to spend the night in. So to spend the night in the shadow of the Almighty, which is so cool. But then we might think, well, what does the word shadow mean? And uh, shadow basically means that whenever you read that and it's about God, that you're under the protection of the Almighty. And so the verse, uh, the faithful believer here is saying that, you know, if I uh, dwell, if I live in the shadow of the, sorry, in the shelter of the Almighty, um, so if I live in that place, I'm hidden from all evil. And so if I kind of dwell in that place, if I spend my night in that place, it's as if I'm uh, fully protected and nothing can get to me. And it carries on. So in verse two, we read, I will say of the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Um, I should say in these first two verses, God's name is referenced in four different ways. And we don't have time this morning to unpack that other than to say that these four ways that the Lord is referred to convey different aspects of his character. One of those words is when you see Lord that's written in capital letters in the scriptures, it means Yahweh, the Hebrew name for God, which means I am who I am. Kind of cool name, really. Um, the other names reference God's um, uh, high sovereignty. They reference his ability to protect, um, among other things. So um, there's a real fullness here in the believer's understanding of who God is in the passage. Um, but here we've got refuge. 
Well, refuge, I think we all know, is it's a place of shelter. And so the psalmist here, the writer, is speaking about um, uh, the Lord being his refuge, his place of shelter. But then we have the word uh, fortress, which means stronghold. And a, a stronghold is a place that has been created uh, to provide protection. It's a special place and, and it provides a protection for the believer. And he's saying, the Lord is my refuge, my place of safety. The Lord is my uh, fortress, my place of protection. It conveys this imagery that nothing can pierce through this fortress um, because it's this place of protection. And then he says, my God in whom I trust. And I'll, I'll, I'll come back to this, but trust is so important. If we're thinking about the times that we are living through, uh, I think many of us will be feeling the need for protection. Uh, many of us will be feeling the need to uh, draw away from fear and to push into faith. And that is a position of belief it's a position of trusting that what God says about himself is true and not swaying to uh, the left or, or to the right, but staying focused with tunnel vision almost, trusting in the truth of who he is and his ability uh, to protect us. Um, verse three, the psalmist goes on to say, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. There's some really cool stuff in here which is really relevant for us. The first I think you know is that a snare is a trap and it's a trap that's usually used to catch birds and the imagery used here um, from you know the Hebrew uh, setup was definitely um, a, a trap that was used to catch birds. Um, and it says that the Lord will deliver you from the, tr the snare, the traps that the enemy lays out for us. But deadly pestilence, this is uh, so relevant to us today. Because in the Hebrew word, which I need to um, look up. Oh, do you know what? I didn't write down uh, the Hebrew word, so I can't tell you what it is. But the Hebrew word here for deadly pestilence um, uh, essentially means a plague of destruction. Hear that word, a plague. Now, the uh, most commentators on the scriptures think this uh, verse is referencing the bubonic plague. You may not realise that that was uh, alive and happening in this time. It wasn't just in London, um, it, you know, hundreds of years ago. It, this is thousands of years ago. And it's referenced here, the bubonic plague, through this deadly pestilence. It's what, it was one of the things they referred to. Now, the plague that we're experiencing today, we might not call it a plague, but we do call it a pandemic. And here, deadly pestilence references a plague of disease. And this is a pandemic. It's a pandemic. And so when we read this verse... He will deliver you from the snares that the enemy sends. And we know that the virus did not come from God. It is not something he has sent. 
I'm not suggesting the enemy has sent it, but I am suggesting that the enemy is definitely working through it. Um, he will deliver us from the snare, but he will deliver us from this deadly pestilence. He will deliver us from this plague of destruction, uh, this pandemic of illness. That's the promise here in the word of God. He will deliver us. And that's the intention of God. And I want to speak that into your homes this morning because I know that there are those among us who are fearful um, of this pandemic and it's understandable as to why we are because some of us may be more vulnerable to it than others um, and so you know we might genuinely have concerns but let's align ourselves with the truth of God's word he will deliver you from this pandemic that is his promise to us in these scriptures. Let's go to verse 4. He will cover you with his pinions. Not minions. He will cover you with his pinions. And under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. This is so cool because the Hebrew word here for cover means that it will make you inaccessible. So when we read that he will cover you with his pinions, if you can imagine a wing with feathers, which are the pinions, coming over you and you're hidden under sort of the arm of God, the wings if you like, the, under the feathers, you become inaccessible to everything that is not him. And that's what it's saying here. He will cover you. He will make you inaccessible. Another word for that is unapproachable. You remain unapproachable by anything that is not him. That means that the enemy cannot get to you because you are hidden uh, within him. That you are uh, inaccessible to, to the enemy because you're hidden kind of in under the arm of God, if you like, you're unapproachable by anything that's not of him. And this pandemic is not from him. You're unapproachable from this pandemic. Now, we might say to that, yeah, but Jim, um, the pandemic's out there. It's around us. And when I go down to the if, to the shop, if I go, I have to be careful. I'm not denying that. You know, we need to take government advice seriously and we need to recognize that this thing has a high transmission rate but what's more important than knowing that is that we are protected you know uh, many of us will have heard the stories of John G Lake I've just mentioned the plague and I'm sure you've probably heard this story before because I've told it but at one point he was interviewed about why he wasn't um getting the disease when he was doing all these incredible healing centers and they did an experiment and they put uh, like a microbe I think it's called of the plague on his hand under a microscope they watched what happened and this um, you know small sample tiny sample of the plague that they put on his hand shriveled and died because the life in John G Lake was so strong that the plague could not survive on him. That's what we are called to. 
That's what this stuff that the psalmist is speaking about is calling us to. That we can get to a place where sickness cannot have a hold on us. Now I know that many of us experience sickness uh, at, in different ways and in my own home we've had little bouts of stuff you know recently um, but I'm still going to maintain that God's ability to protect is far greater than any other ability to cause me to be sick and uh, that has to be my position moving forward. So here we see that we become inaccessible to the schemes of the enemy, unapproachable by the schemes of the enemy. What's it based in? It's based in the trust that the believer has, which he mentions at the end of verse two. We're trusting in God's ability to protect. Under his, his wings, you will find uh, refuge, don't really need to say about more about that, it's the language of protection. Um, <clears throat> and then it says um, uh, that God's faithfulness is like a shield. Well, we know that because the shield of faith that we talk about from um, Ephesians chapter 6, this shield, you know, it's a belief system. It's not like a physical thing that we pick up, is it? It's a belief system. It's what we believe that protects us. Our faith and what is our faith in is what protects us. If our faith is in God's ability to protect us, then our shield of faith is working. But if our faith is in the enemy's ability to attack us, then we haven't got a shield of faith in place. And we need to make a change really soon, like right now, I would suggest. And then it talks about God's faith being like a buckler. Well, what's a buckler? A buckler is another shield that the armies would wear and it was like attached to their arm like this. And with it, they could thrash away the arrows that were coming towards them or other things that were thrown at them. They could use the buckler to bash it off like this. And we have to think of God's faithfulness like a buckler on our arm so that when we experience beliefs of fear and doubt, we can buckler them off like this, bam, and just throw them out because our position of faith is acting like a buckler, um, enabling the Lord himself to be like a buckler on our arm, this shield on our arm to bash these things away. I love this imagery. It's so powerful. It's so cool. And it, it causes faith to rise in my spirit when I read this stuff. It's so good. It goes on to say, verse 5, you will not fear the terror of the night. The terror of the night um, in this, uh, if we look at the Hebrew, it's basically articulating a debilitating fear. Now, I know that one or two people may struggle with health anxiety or, or just general anxiety, and, and maybe that's a reality for you a debilitating kind of fear. And here, the psalmist says, you will not fear, debilitating fear. You will not fear, or the arrow that flies by day. So here it speaks about the terror of the night, this debilitating fear, nighttime. 
and then the arrow that flies by day, daytime. This is 24-7. It doesn't matter if you're asleep. You're protected because you're under his pinions. You're inaccessible to the enemy. If your faith is working in God's ability to protect, you're inaccessible to the enemy. You're protected. That's what the scriptures are saying. And it's what we need to align with uh, this morning. So cool. I love it. Um, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness. You know, it's interesting that this pestilence, they use the language here of stalking. We tend to think of stalking as a, um, <clears throat> a, a horrible thing that people do. Typically, men may stalk somebody. Uh, you know, it's a crime, isn't it? But to stalk someone, you kind of hide in the shadows unseen, but you're following someone unbeknownst to them. It's an evil thing. Um, and here it talks about this plague, stalking. You know, I think for some people it feels like that. When am I going to get it? When's it going to hit my home? Um, you know, that's the sort of fear that the enemy swirls around our thinking. And do you know what we need to do with that? We need to buckler it. Pachow! Pachow! That's how we've got to deal with this stuff. Let's buckler it out so that it doesn't become a noose around our neck, pulling us down and pulling us into a miry pit of doubt and fear and unbelief. Um, so you will not fear the terror of the night or the arrow that flies by day, the pestilence that stalks in darkness and the destruction that wastes at noonday. And then he goes on to say something that I think for us is very, I think, quite stark in some ways. He says, verse 7, A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand. This is about death. And it, it, there's no question that people are dying. You know, uh, in our country, uh, it's, it's somewhere in the region of... Uh, uh, today around, uh, what, 1,800 people, I haven't heard the latest figures, that have, uh, you know, succumbed uh, to death through this virus. Uh, obviously, most of them have got underlying health conditions. Uh, it doesn't take away from the pain or, or the grim nature of this uh, uh, pandemic. Um, but here there's a recognition. 10,000, 1,000 in our country, 10,000, if we're going global, it's bigger than that, isn't it? But may fall at your side. But, but it will not come near you. That's what the scriptures are saying. And that's what we need to be declaring over our lives and over the lives of the people we love and over the lives of our villages and our communities and our nation and, of course, the world. This is the truth that we want to apprehend and release for the whole world. Let's carry on. We're now moving to um, the next section, which is where, um, if you like, the faithful people who are listening uh, to the psalmist agree with him and they share their own peace. If you like, it's the congregation. And they say this. Because, this is verse 9, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near to your tent. 
The language is so relevant for us today, isn't it? Here it is again. The plague cannot come near your tent. It cannot come near your home. Here we are reading a psalm that could not be more relevant to us in this time that we're in. And my hope through speaking this today is to bring hope to your hearts, strength to your spirits, that it will rise up in you. So um, here we have it. It will not come near your tent. This plague will not come near your tent. Just going to catch up on my notes just to check I haven't missed anything. Oh, let me just link back to verse 8 because you may have thought I missed that on purpose. Um, I didn't, but it, it says this, you will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. I quickly want to address this because um, contextually the psalm is referring to those that have died. We have to put this in the context that this is Old Covenant, this is not New Covenant, and I am definitely not saying that about this pandemic whatsoever. The Old Covenant is different to where we are today. Jesus has paid the price of the recompense of the wicked, or the judgment of the wicked. He's taken it, he's paid for it, and that's no longer where we stand. So we stand in a different place, and this virus is not to eliminate the ungodly from the world, not by any means. And we are not saying that, and neither is this psalm. Because we have to read this from the context of the new covenant, that his blood has paid for everything. And that's what I was going to just quickly touch on with verse 8. Um, okay, moving forward. Uh, yeah, we've done verses 9 and 10. The next part, verse 11. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. I don't know what you think about that, but I think that is awesome. Angels guarding us. Angels concerning us to guard us in all our ways. We've got angelic protection in our homes. It's in your bedrooms, it's in your front rooms, it's in your room right now. Angelic protection around you. That's what we get to operate from. It's the place we get to live from. We are protected. And the scriptures are basically saying, this cannot come near you. So let's operate from that place. Because that is what he has for us. It's what the Lord has won for us. Yes, there is sadly sickness and we haven't seen the absolute fullness of healing or perfect health that we are going after. But we have seen snippets of it in revival history. Hospitals in um, Spokane were cleared out under the ministry of John G. Lake and the healing rooms because everyone got healthy because of the miraculous that was going on. And we long to see that again, not that people will be out of work in the NHS, but that the natural health of the entire country would dramatically improve because God is moving among his people to such a degree that the, the, the health of the nation is improving and less people are getting sick. Surely, uh, that's a good thing, is it not? 
We don't want to see people out of work, but we do want to see people well. I don't know how that meshes together, but that's not my problem. Uh, going on, um, so angelic protection, that's what we have available to us. And it says this about these angels. On their hands, verse 12, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Of course, um, the enemy quoted that to Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. But you know, the point is that we're protected. We are protected and they will bear us up. Then it says, you will tread on the lion and the adder, uh, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Um, that's not particularly relevant to our context, so I'm just going to skip over that. Let's jump to the last section now. Uh, verses 14 to 16. This is where Yahweh himself responds. And it's what he says to uh, those that are faithful. So the language is, is male because the, the psalm writer is male. But it applies to all uh, God's faithful people. Because he holds fast to me... This is the Lord speaking. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. This is Yahweh's promise to you. Because you know him, and this is the language of intimacy. It's not that you know his name Yahweh or you know the name Jesus because you've heard them and you, you call upon that name in times of trouble. It's that you know my name, everything about me, everything that I capture. Yes, there's so much more we can learn, but we do know aspects of his character and the fullness that that entails, the kindness of God, the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the, the, the joy of God, all these things that capture his character. Because we know that and have experienced it because we've set our lives to follow him, he will protect us. He will deliver us. That's his promise to us this morning. It's his promise to us in this season. And he goes on. When he calls to me, I will answer him. You know, when the fear sets in, if that's an experience you're having, when you call to him, he will answer you. That's it. And if you're not feeling it, it doesn't matter. He will answer you because he said he will. It's here in the word. If you call to him for protection, bang, you've got it. Because that's what he offers us. If you call to him for help, you've got it. Because that's what he's promised us. We might not see it in the immediate. We might not feel it in the immediate. But he's promised it. And you will feel it once you believe it. That's how it works. It's like Narnia. You know, in, in The Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe, um, I think it's, you know, obviously Lucy goes through and she experiences Narnia. Uh, she's got this sort of belief system that enables her. But when the other kids go into the wardrobe, after she tells them about it, they hit the back, don't they? And they like, they tease her. because. And the thing was, their belief system wasn't in place. But then I think it's Edmund is next and he goes to the wardrobe on his own and he goes in and he can't find the back and he pushes through thinking what's going on and something's happened in his mindset because he's starting to believe that this thing might be true and then he gets to experience this whole different world of Narnia 
the kingdom, uh, you know, the kingdom that's that's meant to be the kingdom of heaven, where you know um, Aslan is ruling, etc. It's so similar with our faith and with our experience. When we believe it, our beliefs catch up, and it starts to become a lived-out reality in our lives. So when we call to him, he does answer us. But our belief system is so important in this. God says, I will be with you in trouble. Are we in trouble? Well, the whole world is in trouble right now. But he's with us. I will rescue him. I will rescue you. This is what the Lord says. I will rescue you. And then the last verse, beautiful. With long life. I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. Um, you know, and, and on that, where have I got to? You know, this is beautiful. This verse finishes with the word salvation. And that word in Hebrew is Yeshua. That's Jesus' name. Isn't that so cool? With long life will I satisfy you and show you my Jesus. I love it. It's so cool. But here he's not speaking, you know, directly about Jesus, the son of God. Although, of course, the reference, you know, prophetically, it's there, which I love. But this word um, means. Um, so I've just got to look it up so I get it right. Help or deliverance. That's what it means. So I will show you my help. I will show you my deliverance. That's the promise from the Father. It's so awesome. So what can we draw from this today? How can I summarise this for us today? Firstly, verses 1 to 8, we have the believer, whether it's you or me um, or Matt and Tom who are uh, helping put this together today, whether it's whoever you're sitting with in your living rooms this morning, the faithful people of God, we align ourselves with his truth. We take it to a place of believing that we are protected, that we dwell in the shelter of the Most High. We're protected, and uh, etc. And we hold that space. Secondly, verses 9 to 13, we join with the people of God. We call upon the people of God when we need their encouragement. And here, they can then bring that and release us into a place of faith, of hope, of strength, of believing God's ability to protect. And then thirdly, of course, verses 14 to 16, we have God's words to us. What are we doing to hear God's voice right now in this moment? What is he saying to you right now? On Tuesday evening, we had an online prayer meeting. Some of you were there. And it was different, right? Because we did it through a video call. And we had 33 different um, devices calling in. Most people had two to three people on each device. So we probably had, you know, 70, 80 people on this online prayer meeting. We worshipped. We prayed together. It was a bit messy because we were trying to work out how to do it with the new technology. But, you know... Where we arrived at the beginning was a place of people feeling all sorts of things. But by the end, an hour later, the level of faith 
in the room was off the charts. People were excited, going to bed, filled with hope, filled with life, filled with joy at who Jesus is and having been together, worshipping together. Not just because we were together experiencing like verses 9 to 13, but because we'd heard from the Lord what he was saying, speaking directly into the situation. And I want to share something that came up last night because it's so, so cool. And I'm going to close with this. Last year on the 8th of April, John Arnott came to visit us. Um, and many of you will have been there and he shared some really fun stuff, really exciting stuff. And one of the things he shared was a prophetic a uh, prophetic word about uh, the year 2020, that the year of uh, 2019 was a year of like preparation, uh, a year of, um, I forget the word he used, but it was a year of preparation essentially. And that the year 2020, and he's referencing back to a prophet called Bob Jones, who had this prophecy uh, like 20, uh, 22, 23 years ago, something like that. And he says in the year 2020, there will be, it'll be the year of the awakening, the year of the harvest, unlike that which we've ever seen before. April the 8th, 2019. John Arnott tells us that. I've been listening to a few different prophetic words recently about the current situation. And lots of the prophets that are out there are talking about Passover. They're talking about somehow the miraculous breaking through on Passover this year and that the, the, the global pandemic almost like suddenly vanishing and stopping. So Passover this year starts on Wednesday. Wednesday is the 8th of April. One year exactly after John Arnott has released this prophetic word. I, I don't want to read too much into that but I think it's pretty cool. And um, and there's this sense that God is going to do something on, on Passover. Passover starts on Wednesday and it finishes on Thursday and then we go into Good Friday. It's, you know, I don't know what God's up to, but I'm excited because he's going to work through this and he's going to use this for his glory. And we are believing that this is a year of awakening. We're believing that that, that the Vision 2033 is going to break out to a whole new level this year. And all this stopping that's been happening, loads of events being cancelled and all of that. At this stage, we don't have to cancel SDA. We've got like two months before we need to make that decision because the way the team have set it up, we don't have to make that decision yet. It might be that we're the first event that can happen once we're allowed to meet again uh, face to face. We don't know. But if that's the case, could you imagine how the Lord will use uh, Southdown's Awakening to unleash something so cool in our land? I think it's so exciting. So here's the thing. Let's be the people of faith. Let's be the, the, the glory of God lived out on this earth today. Let's determine in our homes when we can't be together to sound a different voice, a voice of hope a voice that believes in the goodness of God, that believes in his ability to protect and bring life in the midst of a world that is suffering with this horrific virus that's going on. But let's not be the people that come under 
that kind of depressing story, real as it is, yes, we need to engage in its reality and we need to be there for the people who desperately need a, a church that is strong and passionate and powerful at this time. But let's determine for each one of us to be that person of faith as we hold a position of faith, as we draw upon each other for faith in this time and as we hear the voice of God and release it to the world around us. Um, I'd love to finish with some ministry, but uh, we're gonna go into the Healing Center team uh, very soon. So what I'm gonna do is pray, and I'm gonna pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon you, and um, just have your expectations up, because I think he's gonna move in your living rooms, uh, in your kitchens, wherever you are this morning, in your bedrooms, he's gonna come and he might surprise you. So if you get ready for a tingle or something, because I think he's gonna come uh, he's already happening here. I can feel him right here in the room. So let's let's just uh, release more of that because uh, I just want all of us to be filled with his presence uh, this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you call us to be a people of faith and to uh, yeah to live in a place of uh, trust and faith in your ability to protect. And right now, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. We welcome you in our homes this morning. And we invite you, just do that in your own, open your own mouth, you know, and just say, Holy Spirit, come. Invite him physically into your room. And, and I just bless you now through your screens to receive the anointing of his presence. Holy Spirit, Father, would you release your presence among our church family and all those who are uh, watching this stream. Bless us in our homes, or maybe we're in our offices, or maybe we're in the garden or something as we listen to this. But wherever we are in our cars, bless us now. Holy Spirit, fill us with the fire of your presence. Bring us to a new place of hope that we would hear your voice in the midst of a turbulent time in our nation and in the world. And we want to join our voices with the voices of all those who are praying that this pandemic will come to an end, that it will bow at the name of Jesus and that it will just shrink and vanish from this world as if it had hardly ever been here. And so we speak to you, COVID-19, and we command you to bow at the name of Jesus, to vanish from the face of the earth. And to all you who are sick, I call you into full life and full health right now. I, uh, I, I speak into the trajectory that you are on if it's getting worse. And right now I declare in the heavenlies a miraculous provision that will turn that trajectory around so that you come and reel out into a place of faith. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, let your fire move among us in our living rooms this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to finish with one more testimony because it's really cool. I have a friend, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to name him, so I won't. Um, I have a friend who I used to work with in London when I was uh, running a church in London, and he was running another church. He's over 70, has underlying health conditions, and he uh, 
uh, caught COVID-19 and ended up in hospital. And uh, he was on a ventilator in total full isolation. No one could see him. And um, the, the uh, trajectory was really bad. The doctors were saying, this is not going well. We are fearing the worst. And at that time, I got a text. Um, and so I sent out to the staff team on our WhatsApp group. I said, please pray. This is happening to my friend. Can you just join me in believing this is not his time to go? And loads of people texted back saying we're on it. And at 8.30 that evening, uh, so this is, what, three and a half hours later, we got a text saying, oh my goodness, everything's turned around. He's come off the ventilator, he's talking, he's not, uh, he's not unconscious anymore. Um, he was still in isolation at that point, but everything had shifted and it had turned around. And we got a video the next day of my friend speaking to the camera, saying, you can see I'm all on the mend. That testimony, if you were on the Healing Centre stream last week, uh, Philly released that testimony as they were praying for uh, a, a chap called Alex, whose name I think I am allowed to say, who was in exactly the same position, on a ventilator, in hospital, prognosis really bad. That afternoon, uh, they were updated uh, to say everything's turned around, he's off the, uh, not off the ventilator, they've reduced his oxygen, and things are improving and then since then he's got so much better and everything's gone really well. So we are seeing God miraculously work in this space for those who are ill. So if you know people who are, share the testimony, release it over them. We are believing God for the best. So would you stand with me and everyone else in our church family as we go for this. Bless you guys, have an amazing week, stay online for the stream and um, we'll see you soon. God bless.